What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Houseman Academy. I'm your host, Craig Shearhart, and joining me today is Dr. Stacy Barber, who is also known as a PhysioFix in her social handles. Um, she started with a Bachelor of Science in Exercise Science from Illinois University in 2011. And then she uh, was a student athlete there in gymnastics, went on to become a strength and performance coach, and then completed a doctorate in physical therapy from Duke in 2015. And in 2017, she founded the PhysioFix. And since then, she's been helping people live with less pain and function better. So today's all about self-help, mobility, and uh, preventing injuries. Stacy, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me on, Craig. I'm happy to be here. Amazing. So I want to kick this off with how this your story kind of began, even pre kind of university days. What was fitness like for you growing up, and how did you first get interested in physical therapy? So I have always been very active ever since I was little. Um, we lived in like Arkansas growing up in in Oklahoma, so we were okay. always outside. Um, we lived on a farm, like running around. So I was just always an active kid. Farm um, and then yeah, pretty yeah. much. <laughs> When, when I was about like four years old, I guess my grandfather kind of like caught me like um, falling off of different pieces of furniture and trying to like, you know, climb everything. And so he was like, you got to put this girl in gymnastics so she can at least learn how to fall correctly, you know, so she doesn't get hurt. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so that's kind of how my fitness journey began. I started cool. gymnastics when I was four and I did it all the way through college. So I ended when I was 22. I got a full college scholarship. Um, so nice. that was really awesome. And I went to Illinois state university, not Illinois university. Oh, Don't want to so, confuse people. Fair enough. Uh, Let's not give your, your, <laughs> your competition credit there. Yeah. Um, amazing. Um, so who were your first mentors then in the world of fitness and, and mobility kind of down that stream? Yeah, I would say mostly like my coaches and my teammates. Cause so yeah. I had, you know, more of that, just move your body in different ways and kind of like play more and learn as you do, you know, mm -hmm. sort of yeah. aspects. So um, I actually moved around quite a bit growing up. So I had several different coaches, you know, I Russian coaches, I had Chinese coaches, I yeah. had all these different mentors to kind of pull different ideas from, and they all had their own um, methodologies. And even at a young age, I was kind of fascinated with like, you know, how um, biomechanics work and how like physics work with gymnastics. And so I just would ask them a lot of questions and get kind of some guidance from them. Cool. Um, and then in, in the physical therapy world, I don't know if you know Dan Lawrence. So he is, yeah. yeah, he was my first mentor um, out like during PT school and then freshly out of PT school. Cool. He's like big in the sports physical therapy world. So um, it was nice to be able to like email him and kind of bounce ideas off of him. Um, and then even Dave Tilly, like he's a gymnastics uh, physical therapy guru. Like he's mm -hmm. very well known for that. And I've been able to um, facilitate a good relationship with him at this point. And we're, you know, more colleagues than like mentor and mentee at this point. But I get to ask him questions. And cool. I just, I learn from everyone. I'm definitely a sponge. So yeah. I think everyone is a mentor if you, you know, if you have the right mindset. Yeah, I fully agree. Uh, just stop learning. Just stop living. Um, so, and I think gymnastics is such a good base. I just, everybody talk to they're either completely broken as an adult, or they can do anything. It's if you have the right coaches to guide you along the path, yeah. especially like in the rehab world, um, just the body awareness is off the charts. Um, so what I love about your content is there's such a range of, uh, categories of mobility pieces. You kind of have like people that kind of do their passive stretching or people to do like, you know, uh, the pale rail kind of active pieces, but you do a bit of everything, which I love about that. 
Uh, talk about your definition of mobility and why it matters to you when we think of this like through the, the longevity lens, like long-term. Yeah. So I think of mobility as more as active control of the joint that you have. So right. like, um, it doesn't matter how much passive mobility, which is really just like flexibility. So that's mm -hmm. like the stretching component that yeah. you have. If you can't access it, you can never like do anything within that position. So right. mobility for me is like the, the movement that you can actually access day in and day out mm -hmm. and be able to use for any of the sports that you want to do um, or any of the skills that you want to acquire or anything like that. So um, I think people get very confused on the difference between mobility and stretching. And yeah. they are definitely very different. Yeah. Um, and I would say that like for a good, really good reference that I like learned a long time ago is like a kick. So if you do like a really like a high kick, now the, the highest you can go is your mobility of that joint, an active mobility. Mm -hmm. But if you, you know, if you lay on your back and pull your leg towards your face, generally everyone has more passive mobility or right. flexibility, but can they ever kick someone that high or kick their head? Probably not unless they learn how to control that mobility that they do have access to. So yeah. that's kind of, that's how I frame it and explain it to my patients and get them to understand the importance of mobility, because that's really what we need more so than flexibility. Yeah, no, I agree. Constantly trying to close that gap between your passive and active range. Cause you, mm -hmm. that's also like unstable. So I think that's, yeah. that's the way I coach as well. Amazing. Um, so yeah, you talked about the difference between passive. Um, do you find people are kind of moving away from a strictly passive model. I, I hope that your clients are, but kind of globally, do you think that there has been a shift from just kind of, oh, I'm going to stretch my hamstrings out to fix my low back kind of thing. They're kind of being more um, proactive with active range of motion pieces as well. For sure. I feel like it's finally made its rounds that um, dynamic, you know, flexibility or dynamic mobility stuff for warm up is more helpful than static stretching. So yeah. I feel like more, more people do mobility work, whether they know it's mobility work yeah. or not, that's, you know, a different story. But yeah. I think that social media is definitely helping because that's what they see and that's what they want to try. And then yeah. they, they find that it's less boring too. A lot of my patients will be like, I hate stretching. I hate yoga. It's so boring. You, you know, you have to hold things, yeah. but this is fun and it's different. And you like just move through different positions and I don't know. It's just a little bit more exciting than just stretching. Yeah, I agree. And it, it almost looks like some of the stuff you do seem like almost seems like a uh, Edo Portal stuff where you're just constantly kind of yes. moving dynamics, which I think is like such a great, especially for warmups, just kind of working yeah. on that active range and kind of like going into positions and corners you may not get into mm -hmm. otherwise. Um, yeah. So I, I love that. Um, I want to talk a little bit about um, cold therapy because um, this is something in physio. I feel like there's still a bit of a split and it used to be like something's hurt just like dunk it in ice and hope for the best. Right. But now there's like a camp where it's like, it's actually maybe slowing down the healing process in certain cases. Um, is there a specific pathology you sort of like guide people into ice or do you try and tend to avoid it whenever possible? Or what is your, what's your take on the whole ice ice piece? Yeah, this is definitely one of those hot topic um, yeah. subjects, but <laughs> so I don't really advise it usually for most people, but I do tell people that if you found that ice is helpful for you in the past, then by all means do it. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's something that's super acute and it's really, really swollen, well, sometimes the swelling is going to hinder us from doing things and yeah. icing does help reduce mm -hmm. that. Um, if it's something that's an acute injury, that's not swollen, well, then you don't really need to ice anyways. Right. And it could, you know, blunt that inflammatory response. It's just mm -hmm. our natural response to help with healing. Um, but I just encourage people to like, you know, trial and error, listen to your own body, try different things. There's really nothing detrimental unless you like 
put the ice directly on your skin, which is not good. Um, but ice, it could be helpful for people. When I ruptured my Achilles, I was icing for several months because my, my Achilles would swell so much at the end of the day and it would get so stiff and I couldn't even, you know, do my job well or walk around Mm -hmm. until I got my leg elevated and got some ice on it. So that was just my personal experience. And some people are like, Oh, well, icing doesn't help me. And then I'm like, well, don't waste your time. Like it's fine. (laughs) Yeah. A hundred percent agree. And kind of my own journey, I found compression to be a lot more effective. I guess not for everything. I don't know if it's like a bruise, Mm -hmm. but like just general kind of swelling. Um, what do you find is where, when do you recommend uh, compression to, to, to someone that suffered an injury? Um, I guess it really depends on the injury. You know, if it's something that's like really, really swollen, if you put compression on it too, you're going to get like some pitting edema, some lines Mm -hmm. in there too. And then it's going to kind of almost like trap swelling in depending on which like kind of compression sock or sleeve or whatever device you're using. Mm-hmm. Um, but I more so recommend compression as a, as a form of stability. Yeah. So more of an external bracing, um, situation. So mm-hmm. if someone, you know, has a knee injury or an elbow injury and they need something that's just a little bit going to like hug them a little bit more. So they feel a little bit safer when they do things, obviously it's not protecting them from injury, but right. it could just make them feel a little bit better in terms of placebo, which is yeah. a big thing. And then they can do more in terms of the exercises that we need to do in therapy to get them fully better. So it just depends on the person and the, the time and place. I, I would say there's no like one size fits all answer for that. Yeah, fair enough. Um, one of the other things you kind of see a little bit of split in the the literature's duration for mobility exercises, and I think like I think a range kind of keeps people's attention span a little bit better. And you kind of mentioned holding passive stretches, people losing uh, duration. You see everything from like 30 seconds to two minutes being kind of like the, the recommended mm-hmm. range. If you look at the literature, how do you talk to someone through that? Is it kind of like, you're just trying to squeeze in their schedule? Is it more about, um, what do you feel like the minimum time is that's going to get long lasting results when we talk about most mobility exercises or your different types? So yeah, the research is very, very broad in terms of that, because people that like for me, for instance, it has that gymnastics background. I've been stretching my whole life. Mm-hmm. I can relax in the positions a lot better. So I can yeah. start getting something out of that mm-hmm. a lot quicker than mm-hmm. someone that's really stiff, that's guarded, that's fighting that movement. They're the people that like neurologically, they're not even going to relax until they're past that minute right. mark. And so they're the people that might need to hold it two minutes, even three mm-hmm. minutes, you know, like longer than that. So yeah. um, I just like tell them that, you know, try to relax the best you can. And once you feel like you're actually able to relax and kind of, you know, sinking into those positions, then hold it roughly between 30 and 60 seconds at that point. Yeah. And then do you normally recommend adding a contractile piece to that, like an active piece or static stretch? Uh, like, it, does it depend? Do you kind of pro- like prescribe that more for a warm up and kind of the passive stretching for recovery? Or what does that look like? If personally, if I do any passive mobility work, so we're holding some static positions, I will immediately do something that's more working on actively going through that position. So right. like the 90-90 one's a big one. So it'd be yeah. like, you know, you lean over that front leg for, mm-hmm. you know, 30 to two minutes. Um, and then you come out of it. And now we try to either like just lift the foot up or lift the whole leg up. Because yeah. now once you've made a, an improvement in that passive range of motion, let's quickly learn how to control it and right. try to get that neural adaptation yeah. and that muscle strength within that new position. Yeah. Um, fully agree. Sweet. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of the challenges you kind of see, uh, and maybe has this been impacted by the pandemic? You're starting to see different sort of issues that people have since, since that's come, since it's more like kind of mental stress kind of baseline has been higher. What are the things you find most challenging when you're kind of 
first having those conversations with a client? What type of things challenge you? Um, I guess barriers, like you said, the barriers are going to be big from like what the difference between someone that's successful with physical therapy and someone that's not successful. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's the other 23 hours a day. So they come in and see me one hour, you know, what are you doing the other 23 hours? And that's, that's really the biggest thing. So are you sitting all day? Are you taking, I call them movement snacks. Mm -hmm. Do you get up? Do you just like move around, do a couple of things? Just, yeah, just get your body moving. Because like you said, the the longer we sit and it's, it's nothing new. Um, People have been sitting for a long time. So the work from home situation hasn't really changed that. Yeah. But I think people are more cognizant of it at this point because mm-hmm. they're they're like, there's no distractions. They're like they feel their body and they feel that tension. And they feel that slouching and stuff yeah. like that. And I'm like, well, when you do that, when you feel that, get up and you know get moving. And they're like, oh, well, I don't have the time. You know, mm-hmm. and it's always back to that. And I, I think the the big conversations are about prioritizing what's important to you. Like, yeah, making sure that you fit it in your day, you schedule it in, um, set a timer, you know, for every hour, get up and do something for two minutes. It really doesn't have to be anything um, big and dramatic. It just needs to be something, something's better than nothing. So I feel like those conversations are the hardest too, because we can do all the right exercises in here, but if they don't do them on their own, that's another big thing. Or if they just, you know, do everything that's going to like counteract what we just did. Yeah. um, The other part of the day, then it's like, you know, I can't control that. And I really mm-hmm. wish I could, but those are hard. Yeah. Just get those people that are looking for a band-aid solution here. Fix everything about me in the next 15 minutes so I can have the rest of my week pain-free. But I don't, I don't get a lot of those anymore. Cause oh, really? I, you know, I have my own private practice. Oh, and nice. Everyone, everyone's very motivated. A lot of athletes are just oh, that's great. a lot of, you know, active individuals. Yeah. So they, they all come in here. We work one-on-one for an hour. They know what to expect by now, that it's yeah. not going to be easy. It's yeah. going to be a workout. Yeah. Um, and then they, I don't know, they are really compliant. So my patients are really good. That's amazing. Good problem to have. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel like there's been an, a huge kind of wave of mobility kind of uh, people are understand it's important now. They're more familiar with the term. Uh, there's still probably people misusing it and stuff like that. Um, what would you say the biggest changes um, to your own kind of mobility practice have been from from like maybe ten years ago where we're at now? Is it is it really more focused on the active piece? Is that the biggest difference? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's and like when do, when is it appropriate? Because some people it's appropriate at the beginning of the workout. Some people are just too stiff to even like get anything out of it at the beginning yeah. of the workout. Yeah. Um, so I took a lot of, of the FRC classes, so the mm. functional range conditioning, the Ken yeah. stretch. So learning like pails and rails and different, it's just contract relax. We learned that in physical therapy school and like it's in all the the exercise physiology textbooks, Mm -hmm. but learning how to apply it and, you know, apply it for different parts of the body and even Mm -hmm. like, you know, shoulder rotation. It's just like, oh, I didn't even think that we could do a contract relax, but we can, you know, and like um, nowadays I use a lot more constraints. So mm-hmm. if you want someone to do exactly what you want them to do, you can either add a constraint or remove a constraint, um, to make it, you know, harder or easier. So, you know, you'll add like a yoga block to get mm-hmm. that cue to press that knee into that yoga block the whole time. Right. So they don't cheat, or if yeah. you use a band to facilitate that scapular, mm-hmm. um, depression. So right. I think that's kind of how things have changed. It's kind of expanded a lot of the the ideas are the same, but like how I apply them has become very different over the years. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I think that's like that blocking piece. I think it's just tricky because there's so many, we have so many like 
backup plans with our muscles. There's just like, there's no muscle. It just kind of moves one thing, but when you kind of like isolate and block, it's easy to kind of pinpoint stuff. I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where do you see this mobility market going in the future? Obviously a lot of things are happening digitally. There's tons of apps. Um, you're posting tons of content. You got tons of engagement. It's obviously keeping on top of the game. Um, TikTok's starting to blow up. What do you think is going to be the biggest <laughs> difference today and maybe five years from now? Um, well, hopefully it's that everyone kind of incorporates at least some sort of mobility piece into their workouts. Cause yeah. there's still a lot of like, I work with a lot of powerlifters, a lot of weightlifters, um, yeah. cause that's something I enjoy doing as well. Mm, yeah. And they, they still don't understand, like they'll do it here with me and they don't fully probably do it on their own, you know, mm-hmm. or don't understand the importance. Yeah. So it'd be really cool to be able to go into like, you know, powerlifting meet, and you see people doing mobility work rather than like foam rolling or you, you know, smashing yeah. different things. Yeah. So I hope that people just start to actually incorporate the things that they're learning because there's so much information out there. It's like, you just got to start trying different things and seeing what works for your body yeah. and then do it consistently because that's, what's going to make a difference, you know? Yeah, I agree. Well said. Um, you mentioned weightlifting. I, I know you've kind of like taken more of a, an interest in that in your training uh, recently. And I think it's, not only a great piece for kind of longevity, um, just because everything that we do in weightlifting, power, speed, agility, coordination, all that stuff that slows down as we age, where you mm-hmm. can't not have that stuff if you're going to weightlift. Um, yeah. And it also kind of forces you into mobility. Um, talk a little bit about how what kind of value you see in the Olympic lifts um, as an anti-aging uh, mobility tool for yourself and your clients. Yeah, I love, I mean, as as many people as I can have get into those positions, because obviously, like, if you don't even have the thoracic mobility to, you know, put something overhead, we can't yeah. do a snatch. And if you yeah. don't have, you know, the extra rotation or like the, the um, lad extensibility, you can't get in the front rack position. Yeah. So there's several people that like, it would be more harmful if we tried and not mm-hmm. advantageous. Yeah. But as many people as, as I can get to do those movements, like you said, um, DAS twitch, reduces as we age. And if yeah. you can incorporate even just a couple fast switch or like plyometric type movements, which mm-hmm. that's what Olympic weightlifting is, yeah. then you can continue to get those neural adaptations mm-hmm. and you can continue to function at a higher speed. And then you can catch yourself before you fall and like all those problems that, you know, we all encounter as we get older. Yeah. Um, so I like to incorporate it as much as I can with the older population, but definitely with my gymnasts because they have tons of mobility, tons of flexibility, mm-hmm. but they don't know how to control those positions. Yeah. And yeah. Olympic weightlifting really translates well to gymnastics because there's overhead stability and mm-hmm. all the different things of like the full bodies working together to perform this movement sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. So I, I try to incorporate it in everyone's plan when appropriate. Yeah, I agree. I think like the, the catch 22 is like, it's probably most useful for people that are getting older, but then it's like, they've already got mobility restrictions and they've are, and it's already like technical and they've got to teach them how to, the catch yeah. and the turnover, all this stuff is just like, it's a little overwhelming. Um, yeah. That's when we do like dumbbell stuff. So I'll, I'll yeah, teach them like a yeah, dumbbell yeah. snatch. It doesn't have to look perfect, you know, but if we can like work on that movement pattern, it's something that's faster. And it's crazy how many of the older people that I work with that enjoy like powerlifting type movements and weightlifting, mm-hmm. once they start doing it, they're like, Oh, I can, I see why you enjoy this. Like, yeah. this is actually pretty fun. And I feel like I'm getting stronger, but having a great time at the same time. And I'm like, that makes me so happy to hear. So, yeah, I agree. I think like my one regret, my fitness is not starting Olympic lifting. I'm still, I'd never be great at it, but I'd at least be less, less crappy than I am now. And I think a little, a little more mobile. Um, so 
what are the next steps for the physio fix this year, Stacey? For this year? Yeah. Um, I'm just, just still trying to like grow. Um, we have an in-person component. We have an online component. Mm-hmm. So we do in-person physical therapy here in Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. Um, we also do like sports performance coaching. We kind of integrate that with our physical therapy. So mm-hmm. we bridge the gap. So we could take you from injury all the way to back to your sport and beyond, you know? Amazing. Um, and then we do an online component. So we do free consultations, but we also do custom programming. So remote programming um, for people that have injuries or just want to focus on a specific goal. Mm-hmm. Um, so to continue to grow those is kind of big, especially like my online presence obviously is, is way bigger than my in-person presence. Yeah. So I would say trying to get more in-person patients because I've always been a big believer in like working with your local community first, like, yeah. you know, helping them out because mm-hmm. then that's how everything spreads from yeah. there. But it's kind of been flip-flop. Like I started local and then all of a sudden I went global and it's like, yeah. I need to still keep growing locally, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Fair so enough. So that, I mean, that's, that's a big goal right now. I do a lot of um, template based programs that I created too, for like different parts of the body and right. kind of spreading the awareness because they're, they're just incredibly helpful. Like the same exact exercises that I use with my patients mm-hmm. are in a program for like a fraction of the cost of an in-person appointment. And yeah. it's, available to anyone anywhere in the world. And I feel like people haven't even realized the value of that yet. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of people that buy the programs, but I just want it to grow because a lot of people don't have access to good healthcare. And this is one way that I can help people anywhere. Yeah. I love that. I guess the trick is yeah, not not just having it sit in your inbox and actually following following the routine. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I think like hands on, especially kind of coming out of the pandemic, it's just like I think a lot of people are just craving that. So I'm sure it'll come back and fill up. And obviously, yeah. you're doing a great job, and your voice is is uh, reaching pretty far and um, in the social world. Talk Thank a little you. bit about Stacy's personal health and wellness priorities. Obviously, being a therapist, you're a bit of a mad scientist. You're constantly trying experimenting. You're leading the literature. You kind of you can get pulled in ten different directions. What are your own personal priorities these days, and what do your habits look like around that? So I am seven months post Achilles rupture, and you got to keep yeah. that in mind because mm-hmm. my like goals right now are a little bit different than they would have been last year. The same time, yeah. Um, so my goals right now are to get back to 100, percent and what 100 percent looks like for me is to be able to do all the gymnastic skills that I used to be able to do before Mm. this injury. Like, so standing back flips, I could still do that. And now I'm like, now I can't do it. So I got to get back Mm. to that. Yeah. Um, And then get back to Olympic weightlifting. So I've been doing a lot of foundational strength work, Mm kind of rebuilding because I was non-weight bearing for like eight weeks. So I kind of lost a lot of strength on this side. Yeah. Um, So I've been focusing on that and I have two more weeks left of this current phase that I'm in. And then I'm starting to prepare for an Olympic weightlifting competition. So oh, amazing. Um, it's to be able to get back on the platform this year. I want to compete in both powerlifting and Olympic weightlifting this year. Nice. So that's a big goal of mine. I want to come back with, with a force, you know, like a, with a vengeance sort of thing. So amazing. Um, that's what I'm focusing on, like getting healthy and doing that. Yeah. But my personal routine right now, I shrink trained four days a week and it's really like right at an hour. I find that like less is more when it comes to mm. like stuff like that. And yeah. Um, I scheduled in my day. So luckily as like the business owner, I can kind of create my own schedule Mm -hmm. and every day I have a two hour lunch break and I do, you know, I eat and then I work out. Mm -hmm. So it's already scheduled in there. There are no excuses. I get it done and I can move on. And then I have three days of physical therapy right now a week. So that's three extra hour sessions on top of that, just to get back to that hundred percent. Um, and even beyond, I want to come back stronger. Yeah. 
Sweet. I love that. Is your uh, personal therapy, you, do we work within your clinic or do you work with uh, external? No, here. Yeah. Yeah. I work enough. with, and I've worked with everyone here. So there's three other clinicians. Um, I started out with Dr. Megan and then I transitioned to Dr. Nate. And then I'm working with Dr. Haley soon. So they all have a different focus. Yeah. Um, Megan, she's been out for nine years as a physical therapist. So she's mm-hmm. the most experienced. Yeah. Um, so that's why I wanted to start with her. And then I went with Nate next because he's a power lifter. And then cool. that's a big goal of mine too. So he was really focusing on the powerlifting and the strength aspect, a lot of BFR and stuff like that. Yeah. And then Haley, she was a gymnast. So she's going to get me back to all those gymnastics things. And I start working with her next week. So it's been nice to be able to work with people within my own clinic and use their expertise. Yeah. I love that. Sounds like a pretty incredible mix. Amazing. It is. Well, Stacey, this has been an amazing chat. I really appreciate the time. Uh, Best place for people to link up with you is Instagram. Yeah. I just recently got on TikTok, but Instagram's still my main spot. Cool. I have an account on TikTok sitting there just kind of collecting dust, but (laughs) well, follow me. Yeah, I will. Cool. (laughs) Amazing. Well, I appreciate the time um, and uh, enjoy the rest of your summer. Best of luck with your recovery and your comp coming up later this year. Thank you so much, Craig. Thanks for the conversation. Cheers. All right. Thanks for tuning in this episode, guys. We'll see you next time on Healthspan Academy. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Thank you so much for supporting this channel. This has been a fun project. We are growing in viewership every single week, and we obviously couldn't do that without you. So thank you for continuing to tune in. I really hope you're getting value out of the, the programming and the content. Just wanted to give you a heads up. I've been working on a, a book on health and longevity the last couple of years, been collaborating with my colleague, Dr. Dan Vitale, who's uh, an expert in the field as well. And we, we've basically just kind of summarized the literature, some of the techniques that we found really useful in the world of biohacking, what our exercise regimen looks like, what's, you know, cardio type stuff is going to help us live longer and healthier, a mobility work, nutrition. We've covered the whole spectrum, everything that you can basically be in control of in your health and fitness kind of moving forward to help you live as healthily as possible for as long as possible. And it's available free for download. So if you click on the YouTube banner, you'll see a link to download the, the blueprint. It's also on our Instagram profile or on the website. You can click on fivepillarmethod.com slash optimize to get your free copy of the book. And I hope you enjoy it. Hope you're keeping well. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you next time.